Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. We're your hosts, plural. Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye. Welcome back into another episode of the podcast. If this is the first time listening, thank you guys and girls for stopping by, checking us out, whether it be on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. Do us a huge favor. If you love what you hear today, hit that review button, write us a review, and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with all the sweet podcasts. We're just trucking along, Josh, man. We are just, we are, we are yanking these things out. People are enjoying them. We have reviews. We have comments. Maybe we're doing something good here. Maybe we're actually, maybe our, our conversations on the phone that we decide to put a microphone and record, it's, it, it might actually be successful. It feels a little bit surprising. Maybe not. I don't know. You, know, you always feel like maybe you're a little bit interesting, <laughs> but at least you, know, you see some of the analytics and stuff. And though you know, we're not uh, blowing things out the water, we're not the next Gary Vaynerchuk or stuff in, instead of uh, our, yeah. but. We're seeing some progress, which is good. I'm glad everybody's enjoying the podcast. I enjoy they enjoy our thoughts, which um, are sometimes very different. So they get two sides of uh, one, you know, particular thing we're talking about, mm-hmm. and hopefully that gives them a better sense of how to form their opinion on a subject. For which, sure, uh, is what we want to do here. We want to inform people through a great conversation on some thought-provoking subjects that you know, are interesting or contemporary or, or things that people want to know about. And hopefully we are a sense or a beacon of truth that they can look at. Yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. And I'm thinking here, you know, one thing that I, in life in general, what I find super enjoyable is speaking to other people who have a really big passion for something. Because you can tell when somebody has passion for a certain subject, like you can tell. And it's, it's, it's very refreshing to have conversations, even if I'm not interested in what their passion is, just the way that they extrude confidence and they talk about it and the love that they, they show verbally and non-verbally. It's always fun to have, confident, or to have those conversations. And for us, like we have passions in, I mean, CPG business. And in my case, like I, I have a huge passion for fitness. And what we want to talk about this week is like in, in sports nutrition and fitness is how do you turn your passion for fitness into, into your life, into basically how you make a living in it? Because – the advent of Instagram and social media has really changed the way people have thought about starting their own business and how they run their own business and how they can make a living by not working for the man. Everybody has a, a point in their life where they think to themselves, I would like to run my own business someday. I, I, I think it's inevitable. Everybody has that thought. They have a bad day at work. God, I wish I didn't have to work for that asshole. Or, you know, it, it, I mean, we all do. And in our case, like you go on to get uh, a graduate degree, you get a graduate degree because either you want an executive position in a firm somewhere, a C-suite position, um, or you want to run your own business. And uh, this topic is near and dear to my heart because I'm super passionate about fitness and I worked my ass off to make it my living. You're passionate about fitness, functional foods, CPG, business. You got tired of working for the man too. Like You went out and you had a skill set that you could translate into dollars and cents and make a living at it. So today we want to talk about really how do you take that passion and how do you turn it into a viable business option for yourself? And there's a lot of, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a loaded topic. Like it's a big topic. Yeah. And, um, you, know, you know, I'll let you kind of start because you have your personal experience and how you were able to take that scary ass leap of faith, walk away from a guaranteed paycheck, from benefits, from a 401k, to take a chance on yourself at a, at a young age. Like you and I both are not super old. 
We are, we are, we're just over 30, but you know, you took the leap, I think before you're even 30, you know, you in your twenties, I took it at the age of 32. So, I mean, how did you do it? Yeah, I think it's probably good for us to start our personal stories because I think people just hearing our personal stories might inspire some people or, or at least give them some insights of how we started. I know both of us have probably shared here and there some stories on our own personal channels, but I'd like to maybe complete the loop here for people. Um, you know, I talked about Instagram. You said, you know, in this age of Instagram or digital, a lot of people now want to be entrepreneurs. And I kind of have my experience, all this kind of started in fitness. My passion for fitness started in kind of the web 1.0 days. Mm -hmm. Like, so bodybuilding.com forms, this is before they had, you know, business pages on Facebook. This is, this is 2006, um, timeframe. So this is still very new for anything. Facebook, Twitter's, um, YouTube might've just came out at that time. So, uh, this is early days, and I used to um, go on bodybuilding.com forums because I was seeking out information from people that knew more than me about mm -hmm. fitness. I had always worked out for sports in high school and things like that, but a lot of it, you know, it comes out of conditioning. You're not, you don't really understand the process. You don't enjoy the process. You just know you have to go through it because you want to play, and that's what your coach says. But when you get to college, you you start thinking for yourself. Nobody's telling you what to do, so. I had some friends that were into bodybuilding. They were into the bodybuilding lifestyle. They competed, and I started to train with them. Well, they were much more advanced than me, so I thought to myself, well, how do I, how do I get better? You know, yeah. I'm not going to be able to get stronger overnight, so what do I do? So I found myself going on bodybuilding.com's forums and seeking out information that, you know, workouts, uh, different ways to eat, um, and also I stumbled on supplements, which – uh, until that point, I really only took maybe a protein, I think, uh, and maybe uh, creatine, cell, cell tech. You know, this is like oh, GNC walking shame in. Shame on you. That's you know, a steroid, Joshua. Yeah, wa walking in with your dad at GNC. What do you think they're going to sell you? Yeah. yeah, back in back in those you know days. Right. Uh, so, you know, I rediscovered supplements when I had to go out and buy my own supplements, and Bodybuilding.com was kind of that gateway. Well. Just so happened at the time that I got on bodybuilding.com, it was kind of the height of those forms. Um, so you had also, they allowed, they just kind of allowed a promotion on the forms. So you had a lot of the brands that were selling on bodybuilding.com. They, their owners, um, again, there was no business pages like on Facebook. There was none of those things. So um, you had these owners that you could talk to on the forms. And I, Luckily, being that I was going through business school at the time, I was an undergrad, so that I was getting my accounting degree. Uh, but I had a business, you know, background, and I knew that networking and everything was very important. Um, I met a bunch of different owners, some that I still work with today. Sure. Uh, surprisingly, this is you know a long time from them. But the one that I I started to work with was uh, Beast Sports. Uh, you know, shout out to to Tony and uh, Maria. So you know they. Uh, still friends with them to sure. this day, but they were the uh, people that I, I started with. And that kind of opened up my idea of that there was a, you could work for supplement companies, you could work for this right. whole world. And at the time I didn't really know like consumer packaged goods. I didn't really know those CPG. I don't know. I didn't know those terms, but I knew that it was a category of goods that seemed interesting to me. And I was becoming more and more passionate about fitness and health and I thought, hey, if I could work for a supplement company, that would be awesome. Well, let's see. I was finishing up undergrad, and I 
also had this other passion for just accounting and some, you know, some very nerdy kind of like tax law, international <laughs> right. tax planning. Like, and I took the law school exams. I was going to go to law school. I was going to be a tax attorney. That's what I thought uh, I was going to be. But uh, I was sitting up one night and I thought, am I really going to be happy? Is this going to be something I'm going to enjoy in 10 or 15 or 20 years? Right. And the, the answer was no. I didn't think I would be. So what ended up happening was uh, I was sitting there thinking, you know, how do I make a living at this? And I started to reverse engineer what I needed. And I thought I needed a better, broader understanding of business. So I, instead of going to law school, I went and got my uh, MBA. So that was one of the things that I, I kind of reverse engineered. And I had this grand thought that when I finished up my MBA, I would be the most marketable person ever. We all do. The, in the sports nutrition industry. You yeah. know, I thought, ah, this is gonna be great. Well, one, I didn't, there was two things I didn't realize at the time. One, uh, I was getting out of the, uh, out of business school in, in one of the worst economic times. So jobs were just not available, uh, regardless of maybe how marketable I was. And then two, the sports nutrition industry was still kind of much smaller. Um, so you didn't have as much of like the middle um, type of positions. You had sales guys, um, you might have had some warehouse people, and then you had the owner. That was kind of the the matchup outside of some of the very biggest companies. But right. uh, again, the economy took away a lot of those jobs. So I took a detour. And then it wasn't until I got lucky, and maybe it was, you know, the, um, you know, people talk about uh, the idea of like a law of attraction or something like where I already put all that thought out there that like, that energy was out there. And eventually it was going to come back to me. So about two years after I finished up my MBA, I had a prior contact that I met when I was doing before said, Hey, I'm, I'm joining this startup. They're growing like crazy. Love to see if you want to join the team, but you have to move to Denver. <laughs> That's what I did. I moved to Denver, moved to, you know, did the whole muscle farm thing. But when I was at muscle farm, I, because of the hyper growth and all the things we were doing, I, started to get around different circles. I started to be in rooms that a young person maybe, you know, shouldn't have been into, or, or at least uh, didn't have a seat at the table to have their opinion be so well heard. And I started to realize I was getting validated thoughts of, of, of what I wanted to do. So that gave me confidence to go out and start my own business. So after, so you talked about like, when did I start this? I mean, this is, this is going on my seventh year as uh, owning my consulting. So that would be 27, 26, 27 when I started it. So I just took a leap and thought, hey, I'm already getting some validated thoughts in the industry. Let's see if I can create a living with this. And I honestly took a complete leap of faith. Uh, but I had a you know, thought that I was going to be successful. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I didn't really just go in thinking, like, what can I provide? I was already doing some of that stuff while I was working at Muscle Farm, while I was in meetings or conferences or expos. Like, people were interested in what I was saying. So I knew I at least had something to start on. Now, it was very scary and it was one of those things, but I, I took a very different path to fitness than your story is gonna be because I still am very, very much passionate about just general business, mm -hmm. like just general business strategy. Like if you wanna talk to me about Apple or Amazon or, um, you know, Tencent or, or like, or Alibaba or like just all over the globe, I will have very strong opinions about their strategic moves and what they're doing and how they're spending their money. And like, because, so I never lost that. So the only way for me, I, I can't be a trainer mm -hmm. 
you know, I can't be a, um, I can't open a supplement store like we talked about in our last episode, you know, so I needed to do something that matched my business passion, my analytical way of thinking and management consulting, strategy consulting, but for the categories and fitness related right. products was my way to mash them two together. So I, that's probably a very different path than a lot of people that are going to listen, but maybe people can flip their head and think there's more than being a trainer. There's more than right. being these things. There's other options to make money in your passion. But if you're also real and self-aware about what you're strong at, you're able to link it and reverse engineer it back to like making money at that passion. It's not always just one way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you, your, your story is more so business one, fitness two. Mine's probably more so fitness, dietary supplements one, business two. Meaning we, we both need to have business acumen to run what we do for a personal for, for our lives to make it work. But it's you consult on business aspects for these fitness and nutrition companies. And I work on the fitness and supplement by also understanding business behind it to get my name out there. So my story, and I've talked about this too, like I was, I was just another pawn in the, in the game in corporate America. You know, just, I enjoyed what I did. I worked for a very large CPG company, but after I got my MBA, I took a stint with a company called supplementwarehouse.com, which at the time was second largest to bodybuilding. Like Amazon was just a thing at this point. We were selling on Amazon through Amazon Prime at Supplement Warehouse. I was brought in as a basically a consultant to the owner, and, and I worked on the digital marketing side. And then you mentioned in your story about networking. Huge for me. Going to the Olympia, meeting, meeting these supplement suppliers and vendors within the space. A lot of them I still work with today, to your point as well. You know, Still having that conversation and still work with the people on the bodybuilding.com forums. But I started to realize this industry, and I started to realize like there's a need for education in this space. And I started to realize that back then in 2014. Well, I actually had pitched this initial idea too. Uh, supplement warehouse about starting a YouTube channel about doing supplement reviews. I would be on the channel because I have a background of, of basically entertainment. I used to wrestle professionally, like you see on TV. So being in front of a camera on a microphone, hey, not a problem. They did, they didn't want to pursue it. Like we had the conversations with with Eric at Europa. Like it was a big thing at the Olympia that year. Like we were going to potentially do this. Never came to fruition. So long story short, left SW after there was writing on the wall that this place was a sinking ship. And uh, it just ate at me. It ate at me the entire time. I still worked out. I still took dietary supplements. I still wanted to learn more because I was that kid that I literally have told this story before. The first supplement I remember remember purchasing for myself outside of Joe Weider's creatine was I bought a, a nitric oxide boosting slash muscle building supplement that had Mike the Situation on a magazine ad. Like I bought it based on the ad because I liked Jersey Shore back in college. I am embarrassed to admit that, but I was like any normal co consumer. I bought based on marketing. And I, then after my SW experience, I realized like there's more to these dietary supplements than just marketing. There's actual science behind this stuff. And I, I realized like I, for me, you know, I looked at the main players in the game, Price Plow, Stack, and said, well, what can I do differently? Like how can I be different? Well, they each have one's a news site. One does essentially just like supplements only. So I said, well, I have a passion for fitness in general. So I'm going to incorporate basically bodybuilding.com's free content section before they started charging it. Like that's what I want FI to be. And it was a slow build. And you mentioned, it, without having to go super, super in detail on it, you mentioned the word real, about being real, about being realistic with yourself. And that was how I was able to build my brand, my personal brand into a place that I was comfortable leaving a really good paying job in an environment that was probably a little bit more scary than yours, Josh, just because I had a wife and a brand new baby. Like, I mean, I'm leaving corporate America, good pay, 
taking a huge risk and having that also help support the family. Um, not to say yours was not scary at all. At 27, leaving corporate America is, is not an easy decision. But I was able to build my fitness brand based on passion, based on authenticity, based on being real and consistent. And that's the biggest thing for me. Like you, Being consistent with what your messaging is, being consistent with what you're trying to accomplish. If you waver and you change, it's like a brand that, that rebrands every two years. Nobody understands who you are. And I've actually had this conversation with brands before too. Like it, it might be cool. You might get tired of your logo after two years, but you committed to that goddamn logo. You need to keep that logo for a little bit longer. Like you can't just waver away from that. And I just stuck the course, stayed the course. And I kept putting out content, content, content. And I became a sponge, man. I, I, I would go out and say, okay, well, these other quote unquote reviewers on Instagram are not understanding what's actually the science behind these things. Like I'm reading white papers and scientific journals. I'm reading the DeShea Act. I'm understanding. I'm having conversations with guys like Mark Glazer at Nutribio, who's an OG, guys like Chris Gethin, who you just shut up and listen, you know? And that was really, like you mentioned, um, I believe you mentioned this in the previous podcast, but becoming a student of the game, like learning as much as you can about your passion so that way you can incorporate those details and that way you are, are ready to make that leap. So we had mentioned on the previous podcast too, like, do you want this to be a hobby or do you want this to be your life? And if you want it to be your life, you need to invest the time, the knowledge, the resources into making your life. And it's, it's, it's not impossible. It's not easy, but you have to be patient. Like, I mean, Josh, you worked at Muscle Farm for a while. All the while you're at Muscle Farm, I know in the back of your head you want to start your own company. I mean, you, in MBA school, you want to start your own company. Hell, when you're in your teenager, you probably want to start your own company. But you have to be patient. You have to find out what that avenue is. You have to figure out what you're good at being self-aware. What can you can contribute to society that's actually a benefit that people are going to consume? And then and ultimately, like, that people are going to pay money for because that's how you make – that's how you run a business. Business, at the end of the day, it can be about passion. But if you don't make money, you don't have a business. And you're, the money has to be there. And how you make that money is just, you know, to Josh's point, being real, be authentic, but ultimately be really good at what you do and be better at what you do than anybody else in order for you to make that be a, a business choice. Like you can't just have a pretty ass on Instagram and, and make it a business. I can't tell you how many people, Josh, I see have 100,000 plus followers in the fitness world and, and, and a lot of them are females, males, whatever, but they're also still working full-time jobs. So your the number of followers on social does not equate to a living wage. It really doesn't, especially when you can buy followers or whatever it might be. But you know, even me, the first time I saw a, a, a gal who reps a, a sports nutrition brand, 150 plus thousand followers, she works a daytime job. And in my head, I'm thinking, I have 3,600 followers on Instagram. 3,600 followers on Instagram. I have a full-time fitness business. So either that person does not understand business or understand how to monetize it, either they're purchased followers or, or I don't know. You know, that, that to me just shows like the number of likes, the number of hashtags you use, the number of followers in the social media world doesn't mean shit at the end of the day if you're not sure what to do with it. Yeah, there's a lot that you said there. I mean, I, I think both of our stories probably have some very you know, useful lessons, very important things that people could pull from it. I think that one thing that I was kind of thinking about was when you were still at corporate America and, and you and I had a lot of conversations about when you were going to kind of make that leap. And yeah. we talked about like how to 
you know, have that side hustle get to the point where it, it then overtakes your life to the point where you're making, you know, just as much, or you have the, the opportunity, you know, if you spend more time at it, you can make just as much or more than what you're making now in corporate America. There's a lot of things you need to, to kind of go at this about. I don't want to advocate because I, I, I think both of us had a very similar um, kind of transition. Like a lot of this was like kind of side hustle at first, and then it transitioned into a full-time job after we got all the in, like indicators that it was going to be successful, mm -hmm. that we knew it was going to work out well for us. That's when we finally had the confidence to go out there and do it. So want to make sure that if anybody's listening, it's like, yeah, follow your dreams, follow your passion, you know, make sure you can, you know, start your own business if you're into that, but make sure you have the right, like, you know, you know, it's something that's viable. Like is, does the market want to pay for whatever you are going to offer just because you, you know, are posting reviews online or you're, you know, maybe you're, you're, um, training some of your buddies, uh, you know, for free or, or you're writing some diets or whatever it is that you're into on the, on the fitness side, like get to the point where you're starting to charge for that and see, are people willing to pay you? And then do you think you can find enough of business to sustain that business? Because, I mean, I'll say for myself, like it took me a, quite a few years to consider myself even an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't, I'm not big into the subject, like the whole categorization of things in general. Like I'm not one of those people that puts entrepreneur on my Instagram because I think it's cool or, or anything like, I think you earn that title. That title is because you've went through a lot of just hurt and you've overcome it and you are 100% making it on your own without any other you know, things. So right. that's when I finally felt confident saying like, I was an entrepreneur, went through a lot of like difficult situations with clients and, and different um, situations where then I felt confident saying like, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I, you know, this is what I do. So though I, I get where people are at now where it's cool and they're excited and they want to like put that on their Instagram and they want to, you know, they want to take this big leap and they want to just end all their job because they hate it or whatever. Like, that's cool. I get it. But just be realistic about this whole situation because there's a lot of people that want to do the same thing you're doing. So until you can get any indications that you're like, you're going to be special, you're going to be different. Um, don't just go out there and, and, and ruin a bunch of, especially like Ryan said in his situation, like kid, wife, like things that like, those are real mm -hmm. situations. Those are like, you know, you, when you took that vow that like you, you are supposed to be taking care of that you know, wife or a kid or whatever. So you're not just feeding yourself anymore. You can't be selfish. I mean, you want right. to follow your passion, but it has to support the people that are closest to you because they rely on you. Where when I was doing it, like you said, I mean, it might not be the same situation, and, you know, not to say it was not as scary or whatever, but again, I, I had, it was just myself. Mm -hmm. If I failed, it was me. If I couldn't feed myself, it was just me. I could, you know, clean myself off the ground and, and go back to doing what I'm doing. So situationally, whoever's listening to this needs to understand that because if you do have, you know, two kids and a wife and things and they're counting on you, you can't just go out there and just be all about your dreams and your passion because you're all about fitness and you love to work out and you love to like, because that's just going to put a bunch of hurt on a ton of people that shouldn't be right. put through that. You know what I mean? Like buck up, realize that, you know, you got to clock in, clock out, make your money, but everybody, you know, probably gets home and they have four or five hours that they can devote to something else. So mm -hmm. if you are passionate about fitness, 
you know, be a student of the game, like we talked about, be like, be so interested in things, be the best at what you can do, like be whatever that is, and then show that passion and just get some indications out there before you jump. Because if you jump too early, it's just, it's going to put a lot of people in in a bad position and then you're going to be hesitant to do it again. It just kind of creates this whole scenario where it's just not good um, for confidence and a bunch of other things. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a subject that I am, am passionate about because you, you mentioned like I, I was an entrepreneur at heart as a kid. Like I was that person that had like lemonade stands and I was like, I was out there trading uh, biz, or uh, baseball cards and things mm-hmm. like that. Like I was trying to buy, you know, low and sell high and do all this kind of stuff with that. And and I also um, remember my dad was. I mean, my, my dad was an entrepreneur growing up, so like I had that in my uh, kind of blood. But I remember a ve- very specific thing in one of my MBA courses where they said, you know, the true value of an MBA is how many jobs you can create. Um, it's not anything other than that. like so. A true person that's going to get their MBA should be trying to create jobs. Now, that could be in a corporate world. You know, you're just doing such a great job that you're creating more growth or whatever. But I always took that as like entrepreneurial. Can Mm -hmm. I create jobs other than take a job? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what drove me to to do what I do today and and why I, 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 you know, I I consider myself at this point kind of, un, uh, you know, like I can't be employed. Like I'm unemployable. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm so far out. Like I've, I'm so independent in the way that I think it'd be very tough for somebody to, um, you know, wrang- wrangle me in unless I'm like the, uh, some owner or something, you know? Right. Yeah. And you make a great point, but to, to counterpoint that too. So, so people like when you become an expert in your field and you're able to take that leap and be an entrepreneur and you're respected in your field in fitness, you, I mean, you'll never have to be jobless again. And to that, what I, what I mean by that is, I will tell you right now that both Josh and I receive calls from people consistently asking us to come work for them. I guarantee, I guarantee it. Like we have been – in my case, I've been offered multiple marketing director jobs. Um, I've been offered equity stakes. Like this happens when you start to become sort of that figure in the space. Josh is the figure in business consulting within like sports nutrition. He is known as – like I've mentioned on podcast one, like the genius in the space. People look to you for that information. People now look to me for different information when it comes to like the R&D stuff. I don't formulate shit, but they still come to me. I get people with brands that will message me on Instagram saying, what do you think of this formula? Making sure that they get my pre-approval before they go to production. I've actually been told like there's been brands that have thrown away product because they don't feel it would pass like our, our test. And then like to me, that's, that's a good feeling. We're accomplishing what we're doing. And you mentioned a really cool thing about like the MBA, the measure of success is creating jobs. When I got my first check – for fitness informant for, for what we were offering. That was a cool, that was a really cool experience for me. But was, what was even more cool was the first time I got to pay somebody to your point. Like the first time I got to pay basically an employee to help me out with things was a day that I felt super gratified. Like now we're, now we're doing something because I'm creating a job. I'm, I'm helping somebody else make a living or, or provide for themselves. And that's such a cool feeling. And that's really like what you should be thinking when you think about how do you turn your passion into a full-time career? Well, then how do you turn that full-time career into an actual viable business in which you're actually helping others as well? And the, the, the hard part or the sad part, but it's the reality of the world we live in, in social media is there's a lot of fake people in the world that are able to leverage social media and make a lot of money. And that's unfortunate, but it's the world we live in. So, I mean, if <laughs> you can make a career in fitness by not being authentic, unfortunately. But I'll tell you, you'll feel a lot better if you're authentic about yourself when you create that business model and what you want to do. If you're authentic, you're real. But ultimately, the the biggest thing that you need to have, I think, 
to be successful and to create a business from your passion for fitness is you need patience. You need more patience than you could ever imagine. I am the most impatient person on the planet, but the one thing I decided to have patience for was the thing that paid off the biggest for me. Because it took me, I mean, Josh mentioned this before, like it it wasn't a long time, but two and a half years, I essentially like, I worked a full-time job. I'd come home, I'd work four hours at night. I would work every weekend. I would lose uh, you know, ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year in money that I put into the business. Like I wasn't turning a profit, but those are things that you have to be willing to do sacrifices, and you have to be patient because. And and not to say like the first time you make a dime, you should jump ship and quit. No, you should not. Like I remember texting. I remember exactly where I was when I was texting Josh with the first thought of me leaving corporate America. I was in at General Mills. There's like in an auditorium. Our CEO was about to speak, and I realized like this might be a viable thing. And Josh. Josh kind of gave me a, a little, you know, come to Jesus thing. He's like, do you have a 401k? Do you have health care? Do you have stock options? Like these are things that you, and these are things that I obviously considered, but these are things that we talk about. Like, you know, it's not like Josh didn't text me back and, and say, do it, man. You should do it. He texted me back making sure I was making the right decision for me and my family because at the end of the day, health care is not free. Josh, you know that. That's not free. If you want to do your own 401k, that's not free. You're not getting that company match anymore. I mean, there's a lot that really goes into it that you need to think about and consider before making that jump. But it's, it's definitely possible, but you just need to have patience. You have to be an expert. You have to be authentic. Uh, and you got to be willing to put in the work. And, and, and essentially, like, there's an old phrase, like, you got to be willing to, like, eat shit and enjoy the taste of it for a while before you can start eating at the dinner table. Like, that's literally what it is. Like, you need to be okay being exhausted and okay being not present in things. In my case, it was tough because I had a family, but I, I made that sacrifice and, and here we are. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you touched on some great points. I mean, the patience piece is, is super important. I hundred percent preach that when I talk to people, the other one you, you mentioned was just, just the amount of hard work. Um, you know, before we got on this and started, you know, hitting the, 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 the record button, you know, you asked, how was my weekend? And I said, I worked, yep. you know, this is, this is seven years in and I'm, I literally worked, I don't know, 25 hours, you know, last week, mm-hmm. uh, weekend. So it's one of those things where you're going to have to, you know, if you want to give up a nine to five, you have to be willing to work 24 seven is yes. kind of the way that people say. And though, you know, the longer you go, the more you have flex, there is a flexibility aspect to it because, you know, if I don't feel good or I you have to go run errands or I have to do, I can, I don't have to answer anybody. I can just need to do it. As long as I can get done the work that needs to be done, I, I'm fine. But it goes along with it that if you also don't work, there's nobody paying, paying you. You know what I mean? So, you know, these are all kind of points in terms of making sure if you are going to follow your passion and that is fitness, you know, it's it's one thing to to enjoy what you do and, and, and do all those types of things. It's another thing to just be 100% realistic about what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. And, you know, to your point about how I, you know, respond, and, and this is how I respond to, to anybody that's talking, even, you know, people that hit me up on LinkedIn or like, hey, I want to do what you're doing or hey, I want to, you know, I always just kind of let them know the very real aspects of it. I want everybody to be out there doing their passion and, and being excited about it. But I also want people to be extremely real about how tough it is mm-hmm. because it's not guaranteed that, you know, success is not guaranteed. And, and, and just because you're passionate, uh, you're doing something you're passionate about does not guarantee that you're going to be successful. 
Um, so as long as you can temper those expectations and make sure you understand patients and you know what is, you know maybe what is success, what you know answering those questions for yourself before you get involved with it, you'll be fine. But I, I think it's just people need to. Um, we talked about this in, a, in another podcast, like it just about people need to be realistic, need to um, make sure they do the homework before they get in, involved with anything, just because um, that's going to put them in a better position to succeed, whatever that success is. But at least they have that, you know, quantified in yeah. some way. And any anybody listening to this that happens to be an entrepreneur, I bet you're shaking your head. Yes. Like when Josh talked about you have to be willing to work and work hard because the nice thing about a nine to five is you work nine to five and you, for the most part, you can check out. I mean, some jobs, it's politics that you stay connected via email, whatever. But I'm telling you, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm working until I go to bed because I have my cell phone on me. I'm replying to emails. It's important to be punctual. I'm working weekends. Like I work more today than I ever have. Albeit it's not quote unquote work. It's fun. It's passion, but it's still time you put in. But at the end of the day, like you also still have this new level of stress. It's a different it's a different level of stress that you didn't have in corporate America or your nine to five because now it's all on you. It is all on you to pay those bills. It is all on you to be able to pay your employees if you have employees. That's, that's a unique version of stress that you don't have when you work for somebody. It's a good stress. Like it, it, it makes us wake up in the morning. And to Josh's point, like it makes us not want to run errands every day because we want to make money. And if we happen to take a week vacation, are we ever able to truly enjoy a week vacation? The answer to you right now, if people listening, is no. You're never going to be able to truly enjoy a full week away from the office because you're going to be connected. And that's, that's, the, that's the oath you take as being a business owner. Like It's enjoyable. It's fun to have flexibility. But you're going to work harder. And if you don't, you're going to fail. You're never going to be able to truly disconnect and, and enjoy some of the luxuries in life that some people do. And you might might be saying, well, wait a second. I see – you know, CEOs of supplement companies taking private jets to these. Okay, that's that's still nothing. Like on that jet, they're, they're thinking about the meeting that they're going to. And, you know, just because you have a company making $60 million doesn't mean you can put your feet up and relax. Like you still have stress to keep growing the company. There's still expectations. There's still employees that need to be fed and paid. So I enjoy, I personally enjoy that stress. Like I think that stress is cool because I thrive in that type of environment. But it's not for everybody. And a lot of people I could see why people fold under the stress of this pre- uh, under the stress of the stress like i can see it and i can see the people getting burnt out and being exhausted so you might have a passion for something you might want to make that your full-time career but you also need to be to Josh's point super realistic and understand like what you really are getting yourself into there's no guaranteed paycheck there's no benefits the income can stop tomorrow and if you don't have a plan b or you don't understand how to to make up for that and it also depends on your, your life stage too, right? Like in Josh's case, if you would have failed at 27, society would have looked at you and said, well, that's to be expected. He's 27. Like you're allowed to fuck up before you're 30, you know? Um, and like in me, if I failed, pers- I mean, we both, we both would, if we failed, we would have been personally let down. Like we would have been hurt ourselves. Like we would have felt like failures probably. But like if I fail, like it's not expected anymore. Like I'm expected to be in the workforce. So it really depends on where you're at in life before you make this. Don't have a midlife crisis and say I'm going to open a gym and and it's going to be successful because X, Y, and Z. Like there's a lot of homework that goes into it. So I'm all about it too. I'm all about people chasing their passions, living their dreams. It's fantastic. But just be realistic. Be patient. Understand exactly what you're doing and what you're getting yourself into. And uh, speak with others who have done it. I mean, you can learn a lot from people like Josh and myself, or if you really want to open a gym, speak to other gym owners who are successful and figure out like, 
what are some of the challenges you're going to face? Because trust me, you will face challenges, and a lot of them. It's not easy. It's not smooth sailing. Josh has been doing this seven years. How many challenges do you face a week? Too many to count on yeah. a daily basis. On a daily basis. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't go away. Just because you're an expert and you're really good at something, you still constantly face challenges. And here's the biggest thing. like You can't go to your superior and say, how should I approach this situation? You are that superior. You approach the situation in which you feel best to do. So it's, it's, it's a level of stress that's different, but I, like I said, I thrive in it. And if you're, if you're not built that way, you're not wired that way, maybe you're not meant to be an entrepreneur. And that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, I agree with a lot of that. I think if, if somebody's listening to this and, and they are, you know, kind of going through it right now, uh, I know for myself, and I'm sure same with you, Ryan, like, I mean, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. Like if you would love to, you know, play devil's advocate or, or make you think about things a little bit differently because, um, you know, hopefully we can, you know, get people out there, get people more passionate about their jobs, their lives, you know, whatever, but to make sure they're doing it at a better rate of success or at least giving them some, some insight. So yeah. just kind of leave on that one for me. I mean, I just, you know, I definitely agree with, with all the points we've been talking about. I think we, though we took much different paths to our passion of fitness, we both have the underlying same feelings about one, like how we got there. And then also just while we're there, how we're approaching it and to continuously be successful because the passion is still there. I still enjoy every day when I wake up, but there is still an element of things that um, you have to do that maybe you don't really like. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing to pass stuff to. Um, you know, you got to do your accounting. You got to do your uh, this. Like you have to be every single. Like if you think about the business you're in now, every single duty that happens on a day to day, you have to do. Mm -hmm. So if you like it or not, you have to do it, or you have to pay somebody else to do it. And if you ain't making enough of money, you're not going to be able to pay anybody to do that. So, yeah. just uh, you know, be realistic about all that. I know this was a conversation that started out, you know, around fitness, but it was more around just passions, pursuing passions, becoming something that you can make money at, um, and. I hope somebody could take something from this. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's our goal here. We're not, you know, we're not just talking to talk here. So hopefully yeah. somebody gets some, some insights here. And if you're going through something like that and you feel comfortable sharing it on our social and everything, cool. Great. Would love it. If not, me and Ryan are both very easy to find. You guys can shoot us a message. We'd be glad to, to try to add any value we can to the situation. Yeah. hundred percent. Totally on board to help out. But at the same time, like Josh said, we're going to be realistic with you. So if, if what we say is not what you want to hear, I'm not sorry about that, but these are things that you need to hear because you can't, you can't just coast through life making leisure selfish decisions. Like these need to be made from an informed, educated point of view. And that's what we're going to do. Like, I mean, we're never going to rip your business idea per se. We might question it and then ask like, how are you different or whatever it might be. But, um, just know like we want you to be successful. So we're going to uh, apply appropriate effort in our conversations with you to make that known. So uh, we are on all social platforms. You can find two guys, one shaker cup on Facebook on Twitter as well. Our, podcast available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. You can actually watch the podcast and it's, it's pushed out to all the different podcast platforms. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you liked what you heard today, go ahead, rate and review and uh, write us a nice little note and help out the algorithms. Otherwise, until next time, Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye, we have to have like a signature sign off. We ain't got one yet. We're, I know. We're, we need to get that. We're we going to figure it out. But until next time, deuces. Deuces.
Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.